Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the topics, the issues, the quandaries between food producers and food consumers. It's not Monday. Don't be alarmed. You didn't miss Hank Vogler this week. He wanted to have a full day of Remembrance Day and not be distracted with pontificating with me on the on the radio. Hank Vogler, North Spring Valley, Nevada. You look troubled. Uh, well, no, I'm not troubled. I just actually I I did have a kind of a profound issue, not an issue, but a uh, Pro- profound moment memory. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, a friend of mine from from high school was on the USS Enterprise when the, the fire broke out and he was scarred for life. And he sent me a plaque with the names and the ages of the people that died on that deck. Oh, wow. And there was 28 of them. And I was, I, I don't know why I thought it would be any different. But the oldest person was 32. The next oldest person was 30. And then it went right down to 18-year-olds trying to save their ship mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera, during the Vietnam War. And, and uh, you know, it, the, the, the people that their whole lives ahead of them were, gave it up for this country. So people here could do stupid things. Yeah, isn't you know, that the truth? <clears throat> they they yeah. sacrifice the ultimate to allow people to be stupid. That's just crazy, but that's where we're at. Then we're going to have a whole yeah. lot more stupid before we start rebounding. I'm just here to tell you. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems like this. it's accelerated. I mean... Growing up in the period of time when the principal of the school walked into the cafeteria with all the buzz going on, talking, and walk in and just complete silence. You know, of course, I went silent because uh, he told me I was the only first grader he ever spanked. So anyhow, I I kind of always respected him after that. <laughs> no, that I mean, yeah. Hank, is that that's the story right there. You just nailed the whole story. We don't spank kids anymore. Consequently, kids have no respect. They don't pay attention. They're not allowed to eat the right foods to to help them mentally pay attention. And we've completely lost control of raising and teaching kids. Number one issue is education. And I know I've said it several times, but it, it it is profound. If you're and and it is a Chinese proverb, but if your goals are short term, plant rice. If your goals are of a, an intermediate issue, plant trees. But if your goals are long term, educate your children. And that's what we're not doing. We're we're allowing and and. We've allowed the tail to wag the dog. Uh, I wouldn't want to be a teacher, and it's a it's a very difficult situation. 
But for goodness sakes, we should have free choice. We have allowed the left to take over the education of our children. And that's why private schools have exploded. But yet we still have a government that will not recognize them completely. Some states do and some don't. And our, even our little local school here, we have the Learning Bridge School and, and uh, we used to have the Catholic school here and, and it was always full up. And so there is not just me that recognizes what we've done to our education of our children, but it's, it's, uh, it's not helping us. Every morning at uh, 6.30 Central Time, from 6.30 Central to 7 o'clock, I do a live broadcast at beck.news with Andrew Henderson called Across the Pond. And Andrew today brought the most interesting dynamic from Europe. Uh, excuse me, Andrew, from even though the UK is part of Europe, they don't want to be a tied to the European Union in any way, shape or form. And to be fair, they did vote four times to leave the European Union. So the United Kingdom today, they have been told that. Uh, so, so I didn't have a full grasp of this, but I'm going to put it in U.S. terms. There is some land, green space. That it has always been a, a a law in the UK that green space cannot be developed, and you know I would liken that to our conservation easements where they they say you can't you, for perpetuity you can't do what you want to with that anymore. It, it's going to be used for this and somebody else. You've just given your property rights to somebody else. Well, Andrew announced today that there is land that is not permitted for construction that the farmers are being told, he did not call it mandatory or or eminent domain, he called it uh, um, compulsory uh, compulsory ownership. So the government is facilitating this land is going to go from farming to development, and the farmer is going to be paid above market price without the permit process, the developer is going to receive a buy the land for less than market price on permitted land. And guess what's fueling this whole government compulsory acquisition of this land? This is your quiz, little Hank. You back in the back of the room who got spanked yesterday. <laughs> well, uh, I, I would say that it, it's uh, under uh, – Prince Charles's rule, I guess. <laughs> That's how you would say it. I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Although the short-term goal is they have such a flood of illegal immigration coming into the countries of the UK, <laughs> they can no longer find housing, so they are taking land out of food production to offset the need for additional housing to provide for the illegals that have come into their country. Define that as illegal because when I was in Canada, uh, we met several people from all over the world in the airports, working there and, and restaurants just about everywhere you went, taxi cab drivers, but they were all from Commonwealth countries. And the, we were told that they could emigrate to Canada from any of the Commonwealth countries without problems. So is that part of the United Kingdom's Illegal aliens or these people coming from other companies, countries that were not in that commonwealth. 
According to Andrew, because that's my only source for this, they have the same type of illegal migration coming in, but theirs is primarily from China and the Middle Eastern countries. So all those Muslim countries that we supposedly have been fighting for the last 30 years. Well, in China, they had, what, a 100-year lease on Hong Kong. So yeah. if that's where they're coming from, you know, they're kind of, in in a way, they've made their own same troubles. You know, with our illegal immigration, my statistic says there was already 30 million people here that were here illegally. So the seven or so million that have walked across the border gratis is in addition to that. So our immigration mm-hmm. problem is just huge also. So, you know, and, yeah, and, but and you, I'm on, you, uh, you're going to now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you're going to now need to designate a section of your deeded property to build a new apartment complex so that these illegals have a place to stay. You're going to have to sign up, Hank. What, they can't stay at the Ritz-Carlton in New York anymore? They, apparently they're, well, apparently that was okay until they're full and now there's no occupancy. So they're going to come to North Spring Valley, Nevada. The, what should make you just infuriated mad is that we're running out of places to put these illegals coming into this country and the UK. You have, you have the equivalent of a Ritz-Carlton right there on your property. It's called the bunkhouse where you bring these H2A workers in who are actually producing something that improves lives. You're providing adequate food, not adequate. You're providing a buffet of food. You're providing a Ritz Carlton type, if that's the primo. I don't know if that's the best accommodations for sleeping or not. I mean, your beds are too high to fall off the ground, but otherwise it's all fantastic. And you're being told you can't do this, and yet we're building facilities to try to compensate for housing them other places. It's infuriating. Roll out. Trent Lewis, Hank Bogler. We'll be back with more after this. Let's talk about electricity and the power grid for a moment. We have a reliable supply of energy. It is called a coal. Burning coal creates a tremendous amount of energy. We capture that energy, call it electricity, put it in a line and send it to people so that we can keep the lights on, so we can keep water running inside of homes. And the people behind the scenes that never get any attention continue to get the job done to make it available. It is policy that makes it tough for us to have a reliable source of energy. We better know where our electric supply is coming in the next 12 months and beyond. Lignite Energy making it happen. Remember, life powered by coal. Lignite.com. Welcome back. Roll out, Trent Lewis, Hank Bogler. Am I the only one wound up about this, Hank? You're just sitting there calmly. (laughs) Well, let's let's get down to the root of this. Now, if you remember the Bastille, when uh, they got the guillotine greased up and sharpened up, those are the aristocrats' heads they cut off. That was the peasants that finally revolted. Uh, now, all these people that are coming to America for a better life or for whatever reason, here they are. And then they're not going to become the day they cross the Rio Grande they are not going to become the CEO of Apple Computer. They're going to be illegally picking crops, doing 
restaurant work, uh, mowing lawns, and doing minimum wage jobs. The same things that everybody that ever came here en masse from Ireland, from Greece, from anywhere in Europe or Asia or anywhere else, they started out in the ghettos on the bottom working their way up and maybe even two and three generations later before they got the so-called American dream. So we're going to flood the people if we ever, you know, tell them they have to go to work along with the other illegal aliens, along with the other people that have not yet achieved the American dream that are in the uh, ghettos and the uh, lower housing. Somebody out there is, going to say that is trying to make a living uh, in manufacturing or whatever industry is going to say, hey, <clears throat> I got 25 applicants for this job. I'm not paying this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. And I'm going to cut their wages and make it even worse. So that's what they're competing for is ghetto housing low-income housing, and entry-level jobs. If I remember back when I was in the hospital, the wife was working at the hospital uh, kind of as a, a cleanup person at night, and her husband was an electrical engineer who hadn't been able to get a job beyond working at McDonald's. So I think they have really done the big stupid. Now, if, if you think that things haven't changed before, Herbert Hoover and Franklin Roosevelt sent thousands and thousands, millions of people home to their original countries to make jobs for the people in the Great Depression that were American. Uh, after the Second World War, Mr. Uh, Truman and uh, they called it... Uh, Operation Wetback under Eisenhower, he sent back thousands of people that came here and worked during the war because there was no availability. And a lot of them folks were from Mexico. So it's, there's a precedent that this has happened before. So maybe what you should be investing in is large transport planes that have to fly these people home when we reach the apex of stupidity or I don't know. I mean, we, we can't do this forever. There are so many seats in the lifeboat and that's it. Yeah. The lifeboat is a great analogy. In fact, one that JC Cole used yesterday, but, um, who's JC Cole? Oh, he's my guest every Wednesday. Oh, JC spent 18 years in Lafia and it's a fantastic story. He came home from Lafia, uh, Lafia, one of the Soviet Union countries that uh, broke away. And so he went there in 1992 to help build the country. 2010, he saw what was happening in the world, which is exactly where we're at now. And he came home to New Jersey to prepare. And here we are. But, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm echoing your sentiments. You said that until people's belly buttons bang in their backbone, they're not going to pay attention. And we're fast getting to that point because at the end of the day, 
every bit of this is about um, the ability to feed ourselves. Well, from the day we came from hunter-gatherer to civilization, it was surplus agricultural products that did that. You know, uh, up until then, we followed the herds, whether it was in Africa or America or whatever. Every continent, the hunter-gatherer followed the herds, and, and their population was controlled by the weather, whether the, they had plenty of game to hunt, and that was dependent on dry years, wet years, et cetera, et cetera. And they were basically uh, competing against other predators. But when we finally decided that, or somebody said, hey, we can uh, uh, do something about this by uh, planting these seeds in the ground and raising more of them and gathering up the livestock, which were goats and sheep and guinea pigs and animals, chickens, that they could control. And pretty quick, the, the, the farmer was became the farmer and the rancher became the rancher. And that was the roots of the trees of civilization. So if you want to ruin civilization, best way to do that is destroy the roots. And we're on our way. Right now, these conservation easements, the, the meetings at 6 o'clock in Reno today, they're going to change it to where it takes away from mining. It takes away from municipalities needing sand, gravel, anything else on the public domain because there will be conservation easements we are the canary in the coal mine boys and girls hate to use the metaphor but there are so few of us left and even worse they've made the argument that we're welfare ranchers out here rape pillaging and plundering the public domain for fun and profit so now they're going to have conservation permits See, i i never nothing to do with livestock I never understood this until now, but you know as well as anybody, the farmer, the rancher, have been kept on a shoestring budget. We we never have any cash. We the only I, I hate to use the term wealth, but the only wealth we acquire is what land we have a value, but can't afford to pay bills day to day. And I did not fully grasp that that was preparing for this day so that when somebody comes along with the conservation easement, when somebody comes along with some plan to give you a little extra cash to put a highly subsidized, ineffective, intermittent supply of electricity on your property called a wind development center, you will think you'll take it because, well, it's just tough to make ends meet. It's all been by design. I mean, that. You can call that a conspiracy theory if you want, but it's no longer a theory. It's a conspiracy. And and they've been working at removing property rights for generations, one day at a time. And, and we're here, we're just now sitting ducks looking for a way to try to survive. And none of it has anything to do with the plan for the next generation, which is what we should be talking about every step of the way. What What are we doing now? to put our kids in the same position, take care of this land and this property the way that we've been doing since it, literally 1862 in the Homestead Act. Well, and again, in Russia, the czars, when you were granted favors and property, uh, the, the babushkas, which means scarf, 
<laughs> but anyhow, the peasants went with it. They were the ones that this guy came along by the name of uh, Lenin that said, hey, we've got a better way. And when you have no future other than basically forced labor, it's not too hard to see in any kind of a, a, a movement is easy to peddle. It's easy to, to sell the propaganda. There is no such thing as communism or socialism. This is nothing more than totalitarianism. And once they take over, just like in Orwell's 1984, some animals, animal farm, not 1984, but animal farm, some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> I mean, it's not a new concept. It's just, you know, uh, whip up the masses and you can get stuff done. And that's what we have allowed to do. We need another law passed. We need this. We need that. And so we get it. Just think of how quickly they could stop farming. When you go in to any bank that is backed by the federal government and they've gotten a message from the Department of Treasury saying, you cut off those farmers. They can't go on strike. We got to have them. We got to have those peasants that are working for less than minimum wage. If you figure out the hours, oh, yeah. yesterday morning, I left at three o'clock yeah. in the morning and uh, got back at dark. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Ab- you're mandated to pay your H2A workers more than you, the proprietor, make on an annual basis. We know that. We'll be back second half. Roll out Hank Wilber after this. The Wall of Honor continues to bring to the forefront those heroes, the hometown heroes that make it happen. TheWallOfHonor.org for full details. Welcome back. Roll out. Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler. This seems weird on a Thursday to have you sitting here and say, Hank Vogler, hard to do even. <laughs> well, I guess that's just the way... The cookie crumbles, big fella. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of cookies crumbling. I'll give you that. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, when they hide all all of the things in agriculture in the budget of the United States of America so they can kick the can down the road and also they can blame all the shortcomings of what's going on in Washington, D.C., on one of the smallest groups of people that people are jealous of. You know, people want to people want to uh, buy ranches. Ask Bill Gates uh, for, you know, <laughs> there's a guy here that he has a Nevada ranch. Well, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but he doesn't run it, doesn't do anything with it. He just it's sort of like one of these play toys. And it just reminds me of reading history of what happened to the fall of the Russian hierarchy. The, the It crashed with an idea that came along from a fellow who was basically uh, an elitist himself and it resonated with people because it sounded so good. Well, <laughs> it doesn't work. And we have still got people trying to 
choke it down on us all these years. And capitalism has saved more environmental things, has done more, even with its blemishes. It's done more for the human race than any other form of of experiment. And, uh, I mean, the people that wrote the Constitution of the United States were not blithering idiots. They studied what happened in Greece. They studied what happened in Rome. And they were in this area that was basically isolated to try a new form of government uh, of the people, by the people, for the people, however those three hooked together. And we have gotten away from that original premise. Washington, D.C. was supposed to mint coin, settle disputes between the states, and basically conduct foreign policy. And that that was about it. And the Supreme Court was to hold together one-third of the government uh, to interpret what the original founders of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights had in mind. And we have just traded our freedoms as we were warned from the very beginning. When you trade your freedom for security, you will be neither free nor secure. And now we have FBI hierarchy that's off the rails, CIA off the rails, uh, all trying to protect their little part of the pie and their little fiefdoms, their little shireefs, whatever you want to call them, uh, their little bits of influence and, and, and say, did I ever tell you how important I was? Is <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it's just nuts. And, and when you take away the education of the children of what this country's all about, you got her made and just old duffs like me, you know, oh, well, I'm just, a, I'm an antique, you know, past 50, after 50 years, you're an antique, I guess. And so we're all crazy. Alzheimer's or whatever you want to call us. But, but, uh, there's going to be some profound changes if we don't get a hold of the reins and the snaffle bit and, Pull, the, pull this country's head around out of its rectal area. <laughs> you know, I've often said, Hank, because I have a lot of experience in this regard, that it is very rare a horse bucks you off without have given you a warning. And typically, you ignore the warning. You think you're going to ride through it you, instead of adjusting, going back to the round pen, whatever it may be, you are warned that that horse is going to buck. Same thing is happening with the you federal bet you. government right now. We've been warned that we're going to get bucked off. Yep. Yep. And and the amazing thing is, is there's enough people that don't even know it's going on because they have their own little uh, issues. And, and, you know, the, it's the ostrich position. Just stick your head in the sand and don't get involved. But 
I believe in the civics that I took in school that that was the number one thing you needed to do is to stay involved. And now the people that get involved, if they do not have the metric that the government is trying to push, the FBNI shows up in the middle of the night with a SWAT team. And you know the IRS <laughs> takes you down. <laughs> Little did I know, Hank, that when you you are responsible for getting me involved in this, and this being understanding this is not a new age FBI. This is the way it's been. Because little did I understand when I went to Burns, Oregon in January of 2016, that I was going to experience with an FBI something that would be exposed as a core corruption problem. But everything that's happening today, including including suicides from nurses who were in the emergency room, three nurses that were in the emergency room where Lavoie Finnegan went and where Bundy, uh, Ryan Bundy went. They, three nurses committed suicide within months after that particular incident. How often do nurses commit suicide? There's a, another guy who took his life who lives close to where the incident went down on that Grant County, Harney County border. I mean, the, there were so many things illegally that happened from an FBI standpoint during that situation. I think in many regards, that was a trial run to see how they're going to pull this whole sham off for the entire country. And they've been working at it from day one. The whole concept of the FBI has been about corruption from day one. In fact, the FBI started and Herbert Hoover had a passion against Martin Luther King. And that's what built it, tried to set him up. It's not. It's no different than it ever has been. It's just finally people are seeing what's really going on. Well, and with his power, J. Edgar, I mean, he he was putting the hook on the the Kennedys through Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I saw, you know, how much value it had, but I saw a, a program one time that a, a, a telephone repairman had gone to her house because she had complained about uh, poor service. She couldn't hardly hear on the darn thing. And the reason the phone wasn't working right is there were so darn many wiretaps on it that it, it was pulling all the juice away from talking on it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you if you get somebody, something on somebody else or your fellow travelers in Congress, you know, if you go to the right parties, the right cocktail parties, and and uh, I'm sure there's uh, obviously groupies there too. And and if you can get dirt on enough of the people, you get pretty powerful pretty quick. You know, I mean, just all the things that are coming out about the players with uh, Jeffrey Epstein and all of this stuff. But you don't have to. You don't have to think this is a new phenomena. Uh, the Isle of Capri. I, wasn't it Caligula that had some kind of a deal with young kids? And then when he got through with them, he threw them in the ocean. I mean, there's something innate, power, corruption, all the things. You become better than everybody else or something. And once you get that feeling, I mean, it must be a dirty, tough son of a gun to get away from it. I think it's an addiction like cocaine. Have that power. Yeah, yeah. 
say, did I ever tell you just how important I am or something like that? You you know, I'm just tickled to death. I write down all these things that you come up with, but I am going to stay hard fast on developing a little series about, hey, did I ever tell you how important I is? I mean, I think that that just that just nails the entire problem right there. (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, it's extremely difficult to. Uh, to uh, uh, keep your head on straight. I, I was paid a tremendous uh, compliment the other day from the person that handles my wool. He said that probably the largest clip of 18 micron wool ever clipped in the United States of America as far as he knew. And maybe that's wrong too that I sold this year. And, and that was a compliment. And Hard-earned, too, I guarantee you. We went through the worst winter we ever had, and our animals show it. Uh, we show it, everything about it. it. It was the main son of a gun. Now it's beautiful. Uh, the whole country's caught up. But but uh, you can get paid a compliment, but it doesn't make you put your underwear on any different. Or, you know, the pouch in the front's not any bigger whether you shop at Target or not. You know? <laughs> I... I don't know what why why it is that that uh, uh, it's life's experience is what it is and 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 the 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 elixir of power of people you know genuflecting at your altar or something I mean it's just I I do not understand it uh, and I guess it it goes back to you know, the Ten Commandments. It goes back to the seven deadly sins. Pride, you know, uh, jealousy, all of those things. They're not new. It's in the, the human spirit. I mean, uh, it's just like in, in my mind, and not just because my wife's Chinese, but look at China. Can Xi we look Jinping. at China in a moment? Because I, I can see this yep. is going to be a longer marathon than what I really want it to be. Not that I don't want it to be. It's just I got to go. Roll out more Hank Bogle after this. Let's talk about maintaining a free and fed America. Protect the harvest is paving the way to make that possible, at least make it easier. I don't know that anybody can absolutely make it possible, but all we can do is make information available that arms yourself with the tools necessary to maintain a free and fed America. Everything Hank and I talk about comes back to our ability to feed ourselves, and that ties back to property rights. And all of that leads to a food-secure nation. Food, I should say, food and fuel-secure nation. To arm yourself for a free and fed America, protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back to Target Shopping 101, where we all put our underwear on the same way. And whether you go to Target or not, the pouch in the front's the same size. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, again, talk about minorities. I mean, how many people actually follow that thought? Uh, or, like or, a quarter or, of a half of a third of a percent. Yeah. But in order to, you know, whatever, I guess that, you know, somehow it's it's to be straight, to be human, uh, to 
be in love with the opposite sex and, and to want to procreate and have some kids and, and hopefully they grow up and, and be responsible adults. All of those things somehow is bad and it, and something that, that's off of the wall. Okay. Don't look in my bedroom. I ain't going to look in yours. So just let it go. Uh, you know, it's a phenomenon. My neighbor gave me a ram one time and he is gay. He never produced any offspring and he was a high dollar, good looking animal with just, I mean, had everything in the world going for him except for the fact, whatever his mentality was, he had no reason or desire to procreate. And it was, it was crazy. And, 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 uh, we all remember the diethyl still best for all days when, uh, steers, because of those estrogens, uh, would want to copulate with other steers. I mean, or other animals. It just, it's, uh, it's there. So, okay. Get over it. <laughs> but it's just like our experience throughout history. About 200 years is about how long most societies last. Some of them have lasted longer. But one of the best ways that if you look at history to whip up, whether you're Adolf Hitler or Joe Stalin or Mao Zedong, to whip up the masses to promote your argument is nationalism, that you're just a shade better than everybody else. Well, I think the Chinese hit the ground running, whether they did it legally or illegally, they went from a 98 percent rural society uh starvation was the norm and millions of people died and then that leader mao tips over the next guy comes along lets the genie out of the bottle and just like every other human being they all wanted some prosperity and went after it in every way they possibly could and yes there's the italian mafia there's always been People, MS-13, there's always been people that wanted to cut some corners. But now, this has been going on since about 19, what, 49. Well, I think there's enough people there that with iPhones and being able to talk to other people in the world and look around and see how things are done, I think there's a kind of an undertow there. So how do you do that? You put up a strong military which is nothing more than Ronald Reagan, peace through strength. And you tell the world that you're the number one outfit. But I think it's to consolidate their own power. I think within their own system, they have people that are quite happy with the capitalistic deal and having the government take things away from them, which they do through taxes or whatever you want to call it, in in Russia through Stalin, through everybody, the, there was favors handed out. You don't think that the uh, Ding Dong Dung or whatever his name is, that guy from North Korea, you don't think he has to pay off a heck of a lot of people before somebody shoots him? I mean, he's plumb off the rails, but he has control. And how do you have control? Same way Genghis Khan, he went around and married everybody's daughter and all the other little emperors so that they were all part of the family and beholden to him. 
Same thing what's going on in North Korea. Same thing that's going on in China. Heck, that same thing's going on here. People get favors by who they know, not what they know. And, 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 and when we try and promote people, not because they are the most capable of taking care of the job, because they happen to be of a certain race or a certain sexual orientation or anything like that, that is the beginning of the end. And we have to do something about that. And I'm not against these different flavors of people, but we, but they're not being promoted as the best person for the job. They're being promoted because of, of uh, some other idiosyncrasy that, that is being promoted and, and friendship and, and, and the first cousin twice removed. We send the money to him and an LLC so we don't have our fingerprints on it. I mean, it's, this is, this is history, history in the making. And it's instantaneously happening. So a thousand years from now, when they're seeing how goofy our society became, maybe the next society will do something different. I don't know. Okay, I quit. Well, there's several things to unpeel in this onion. First of all, you, you said in passing in the first half of the program, and it could not be more true that our founding fathers studied all of these civilizations and knew how to put together something that they said it's, it was Ben Franklin, I think, that said, we're going to give you a representative republic and liberty. It's up to you to keep it. Uh, right. we haven't, we haven't done so well in that regard. But Hank, I can sit here in this office today and study every aspect of tyrannical totalitarianism in the world and without leaving this room i can have a handle on every every civilization that was run by a dictator in 1770 leading to 1776 you couldn't do that you had to you had to know people you had to go research you i mean it was work to learn what happened in France, to learn what happened in Rome, to learn what happened all around the world. I, I just, I'm trying to put myself in a position of how in 1700 you acquire all of this information to put that together. That in my mind is an amazing feat. Oh boy. And the people who did it were actually the privileged. They were landowners. They were, they, you know, they were, they were the aristocrats. The only difference was, is they had gotten far enough away from the mother England mm-hmm. that things looked different to them. They had freedoms that they, that by privilege that you had to have the, the crown seal. Well, a lot of people left America after the revolution because they were part of the crown seal. They were part of the, the colonization of the world. You know, uh, Mao, all these people, this isn't the first go around with dominating the world. And that's just the whole thing. And when, you know, when your ox is not being gored and it's going to take some sweat, blood and tears and maybe your life to defend that position, you have to be pushed up against that final ultimate situation to where you have to do something because you have nothing to lose. And you that's know, what that's that, what it was. 
That's a question that I've never asked until this moment, and now I have to know the answer. Why did these founding fathers, who who were the aristocrats of the day, why were they different in in wanting to put together something that allowed people to maintain freedom and liberty? What made them different? They had this vast wilderness, and they had a 30-day round trip to the government to tell them what to do. So when the troops showed up, when the people, the, the enforcers, the people with the crown seal, the people from England that came to regulate, to tax, to do all these things to the colonists, they go, hey, wait a minute, big guy. You know, go tell your boss. Well, heck, you wouldn't see him for 130 days or so <laughs> yeah. to make the round trip. <laughs> get you know? on a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get over there plead your argument before the king and then come back, you probably even forgot why you went over there. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> so it, it, it wasn't like you were living uh, on 10 Downing Street to where they could send the gendarmes out to get you the next day. It was, you know, and so you got the elixir of the elixir, and that was freedom, freedom. Because 98% of the people of the United States of America were farmers, and most of them were had no educational experience. When they went to vote, their their X was their mark to get their ballot. I mean, just all of these things. It was just this void out there that, you know, uh, what? You get a letter from the king. Uh, Dear Thomas Jefferson, hey. We're mad at you. Now, doggone it, you better straighten out. <laughs> oh, yeah, you bet, George. We'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah. Six months are. later. Six months later. Yeah. yeah, by the time it gets back, George doesn't remember what the first part was about because guess what? He was about half senile. He was, he was on meds, whatever. So, yeah, that, so that's nothing new either. Well, the other thing, and we have one minute, Hank, but the other thing is it's hard to believe, but it history shows us that the people who use nationalism are the greatest threat to the nation. Yeah, we have to we have to step up and no matter what race, creed, color or national origin, this America pledge your allegiance to the American way of life. And it will help you. But if you splinter it off, which is what they're trying to do, splinter it, splinter it, splinter it, get everybody mad at everybody else, they win. Yeah. And I mean the goofies. The goofies. And there's plenty of goofies to go around. There's more goofies than homosexual queers that uh, everybody's trying to cater to. I'm just saying. We have successfully journeyed down that path, connecting food producers to food consumers. For Hank Bogle, I'm Trent Lewis. All three of us. <laughs> how's, that? how's that for goofy? Reminds you that all roads do lead to a roll route. And finally today, let's talk about nutrition, upcycled protein in a way that nothing else works. Take cellulose material, grass, forages, forbs, leaves, whatever, and then turn it into the most nutrient-dense food substance on the planet? Does anybody really get an appreciation for how beef works? 
Well, as a consumer, you'll have an appreciation for the tenderness aspect, the plethora of protein, and all other essential elements of healthy living you acquire with six ounces of beef. Certified Piedmontese provides every bit of that and delivers it to your door if that's what you so choose. Details about ordering products and subscribing to the beef plethora at certifiedpiedmontese.com.